of the best teams in the country. Uh, it's a statement that I've standed on since my press conference in the media day a couple months ago, and I'm going to continue to stand on that. Uh, we are the best. We are one of the best teams in the country, and we're one of the most talented teams by far. That was Seton Hall senior Jared Roden in the press conference following the Pirates' 77-63 victory over Rutgers in the Garden State Hardwood Classic at the Prue Center Sunday night. What a crowd it was, about 12,000 fans. Truly one of the great atmospheres I have witnessed at the Prudential Center. And that win by Seton Hall further cements them as one of the best teams in the country as you heard Roden say right there. Hello, everyone. I'm Brian DeNovellis. Welcome to episode 17 of the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. Tonight, I'm going to focus the majority of the time in this podcast to Seton Hall and Rutgers, but I also want to talk about what's going on in West Long Branch with Monmouth. Did you hear the Hawks beat an ACC team on the road for the first time in their history? They beat Pitt at Pitt while Seton Hall was beating Rutgers. We will get to the Hawks a bit later. We begin with the Pirates. Let me say this. The rock was rocking. It was electric. The past two games at the Prudential Center were off the charts. Texas on Thursday, Rutgers on Sunday. I've been to many, many games there since 2007. I put that Texas game and this Rutgers game 1-1-A. The Texas game was just loud. The fans were chanting. It was, it, it gave me goosebumps. But the Rutgers game, I just think there was a buzz And it had to do with the rivalry. There were more fans in the student section than I've ever seen before because they opened up the upper deck behind the basket, behind the student section. So if you had 1,600 students in the Texas game, you had another 1,000, call it 25, 2,600 students at the Rutgers game. And Seton Hall has what, 6,000 undergrads? Insane. The only other games that I can recall that matched the atmosphere, the vibe, the energy in the building was the Villanova game on senior night for Miles Powell 2020. That game was sold out. The the curtains were raised and the fans on both sides were buzzing. And the fourth game would be the Michigan State game to begin the 2019-2020 season a little earlier. But I put Texas and Rutgers a little bit above those just because I I felt it was louder at these games. And the fans were off the charts. Just ask Kevin Willard. He said their defense, Seton Hall's defense, fed off of the crowd. I thought the crowd was phenomenal again. I, I thought it was a huge factor in our, in our defensive energy. So why did Seton Hall win? Well, they're better. And I get it. The better team doesn't always win. Rutgers was better last year. They certainly were last year. They were deeper. They were bigger. But this year, there is no question. 
Seton Hall has more talent. They are a deeper team. They are a more balanced team. They are a bigger team. They have a better bench. Now, if this game were played in the rack, I know it's hypothetical, then I feel it's a lot different. And, and Rutgers has a better chance to win because they're at home. But put these two teams, in my opinion, on a neutral court, say MSG, Seton Hall is still a six to seven point favorite. They are really good. They are scary good. And in this game, their big guns, their stars played big while Rutgers did not. Jared Roden, 16 points, nine assists, 14 of those 16 in the second half. Bryce Aiken, who was the MVP of the game, scored 22 points, three assists. Miles Kale, 10 points, five steals. How good has Miles Kale been when he is on the court? Just ask Kevin Willard how good Miles Kale is and how much better Kevin Willard thinks he coaches with Miles Kale in the game. Here's Willard after the game. I've said this all along for the last four years. Miles Kale is one of the best players I've ever coached. Um, it doesn't show up in the stat sheets, but when he's on the when he's on the court, I'm a better coach. We're a better basketball team. Um, I love the fact he's being much more aggressive on the defensive end. He's going for steals. He's getting in passing lanes. He's the best. He's the best defender in college basketball. All right, that's the coach talking. Is he the best defender in the country? Is he the best defender in the Big East? Time will tell. But Seton Hall is a much better defensive team with Miles Kale in there. Ask Ron Harper Jr. Harper was coming off a career high, 30 points against Purdue. He had 10 points on three of 12 shooting. And much of that was due to Miles Kale making it difficult on him. Geo Baker, good to see him back out there on the court. 11 points. So Harper and Baker were a combined seven for 23. That's not going to get it done. Rutgers needs their stars, needs those two guys. I'm not saying they have to have 30 points every night, but between the two of them, you want to have somewhere between 30 and 35 points. That's a recipe for Rutgers to win. But Seton Hall's stars, their big guns came to play. The moment of the game, all right? Seton Hall and Rutgers tied at 23. Neither team was really surging ahead. And then over the last four minutes and 18 seconds, Seton Hall goes on a 14-0 run. And suddenly it's 37-23. That brought the crowd to life. It was loud. Seton Hall had confidence, and it was all spurred by Kaderi Richmond and Bryce Aiken. Those two guards really gave Rutgers fits, driving to the lane. When Kaderi Richmond hits a three, look out, okay? You expect it from Bryce Aiken. You dare Kaderi Richmond to shoot. And when he pulls up in rhythm and buries a three, it might be a long night. Because his ability to drive and slice and dice and get to the hole and finish or dish off, 
is something Seton Hall hasn't had in a long time. But Kaderi Richmond was without question the MVP of that first half. He got Seton Hall. He, he loosened their nerves. When they were struggling to score, Kaderi Richmond took over that game. So he, without question, was MVP of that first half with 12 points. All 12 points in the first half, by the way. The co-MVPs of the second half were Jared Roden and Bryce Aiken. Roden admittedly uh, was too amped. He was really jacked up for this game, and his shot was way off in the first half. Two points, four rebounds. He came back, settled in. Kevin Willard called some isos for him. He got to the rim. He got to his spots. Now, listen, he hit some tough shots. Caleb McConnell made him work, but he was comfortable shooting in rhythm, off the dribble, and doing what Jared Roden does. Slashing, pulling up, mid-range jumpers. Aiken. Aiken deserved the MVP of this game, the Joe Calabrese Award for the MVP of the Garden State Hardwood Classic. Twice in this second half, Rutgers cut the lead to six. Seton Hall was up double digits. Rutgers cut it to six with about 11 minutes to go. And Aiken drives the lane, knows he's going to get fouled. I think it was Mulcahy on his right. Pulls up, switches to his left. The whistle goes and he hits a floater with his left hand. Brilliance. It was so smooth, so effortless without even thinking. That's Bryce Aiken, a basketball player, just going with his instincts. That got the lead up to nine. And then again, with about six and a half minutes to play, Cliff Amori, who had a big second half and a big game, uh, really physical and athletic around the rim, hits a three-point play with about six and a half minutes to go to make it 62-56. The Rutgers fans are cheering. They have life. Here we go. What did Bryce Aiken do? Drives through the lane. Wrap around to Tyree Samuel for a dunk. Aiken has a layup. The lead's back up to 10. And then a few minutes later, with just under four minutes to play, Aiken pulls up from somewhere around the pirate. Kevin Willard estimated it at 38 feet. Sure, I'll go with Willard. That's what Bryce Aiken could do for you. Push the lead back up to 13, 71, 58, 351 to play, game over. You are starting to see the backcourt of Kaderi Richmond and Bryce Aiken really start to gel. They're accepting their roles. Richmond is entrenched as the starter. Aiken comes off the bench. He is instant energy. He is instant go, go, go. And oftentimes, Aiken plays more minutes. Look at the minutes in this game. Aiken played 29, and Richmond was just shy of 20. So it doesn't matter who starts. It doesn't matter who the man is. It doesn't matter who's the leading scorer. This Seton Hall team 
plays for one another. There are no egos. Aiken said it in his post-game press conference, whoever's, the, whoever's hot, we're going to keep feeding that guy the ball. And right now, they're sharing the point guard duties. And what Seton Hall has this year is what they thought they would have. Two dynamic, versatile, playmaking guards. Put the ball in their hands. Let them make a play. They didn't have this last year. And Kevin Willard admits it. I really liked when Kadari and Bryce were together. I thought that was a, we went on a 14-0 run with both of them out there in the first half. Um, it gave Kadari a little bit more room to operate. It also gave him a chance to get off the ball a little bit and get his rest. Um, but, you know, Bryce has that ability to, and I know the fans aren't used to seeing him play. You know, we've, we've been with him now two years, and um, this is what we see in practice. He's going to take a 38-footer a, a on the break, and, and he's got that ability. He has that confidence, and I just, I've come to realize you just got let, you have to let Bryce be Bryce. Great players can make coaches look great with their ability to make plays. Now, listen. Willard has to put them on the court. He has to put them in a position to succeed. But all of their training, whether it's with Willard or in the offseason, comes into play now. Willard has given them the confidence because they know he trusts them with the ball in their hands. So let's talk about the significance of this win. All right. In the rivalry, Seton Hall hasn't lost to Rutgers since 2012. The infamous Jerome Seager's three, which was one of the biggest shots in this rivalry ever, certainly from Rutgers' perspective. Um, Seton Hall had more to lose in this game than Rutgers. Rutgers had more to get out of a win than Seton Hall did. And I say that because Seton Hall was favored by double digits. Seton Hall, all they got for this win was a quad four. So you're not getting much for that, but it would be it would have been a devastating loss, believe it or not, not only in the rivalry, but in terms of their net ranking. So Seton Hall had more to lose in this game. So it was important that they followed up the Texas win. It was also important because there were 13 recruits there. So when you're battling Rutgers, when you're battling St. John's, when you're battling other power five conferences for these recruits let me tell you something the recruits it it didn't hurt that they were there in this atmosphere and they saw Seton Hall win it did not hurt Seton Hall's chances so when they're in that atmosphere and they see 12,000 fans and they feel the electricity this was important for recruiting as well and don't think for a second I listened to the players in the post-game press conference. Don't think for a second it doesn't mean something to them. Because when you saw them hoist the trophy and show it to the fans, okay, Seton Hall quietly went about their business in post-game press conference saying, yeah, it was important. But to see their jubilation, to see how much they were celebrating after this win, pointing, saying, this is a blue state. This is our state. It meant something. Now, in the press conference, Bryce Aiken, Kaderi Richmond, they were a little subdued. Okay, yeah, it was important. But 
you know, we're looking at the big picture. Jared Roden had the best quote. Jared Roden talked about a certain picture of a Rutgers player who was laughing and pointing at him the last time these two teams met at the rack and Roden was on the ground. Here's what he had to say about that picture and how much it motivated him. You know, I had a bad taste in my mouth from two years ago. Uh, I have this picture in my phone that I never forget about of uh, some kid on the bench at Rutgers that was screaming in my face when I fell on the floor. And um, that's something that resonated with me forever. And um, every time I think of Rutgers, I think of that moment. So I knew I was going to come out here and try to be a dog as much as I could. Yeah, it means something. And it proves something. These players talk about these games all year, this rivalry. Okay, and when it's over, they're going to remember these Rutgers and Seton Hall rivalries for the rest of their lives. Egos, pride. Look, Rutgers is a good team. They will get better. But Seton Hall, they're for real. They moved up from 23 to 16 in this week's AP poll. They have two top 10 wins over Michigan and Texas. Now, I know Michigan has severely dropped in the net rankings. They've fallen out of the top 25. But at the time, that's still a non-conference Power 5 road win. That will still count for something come March. This team is big. They're tall. They're athletic. They rebound. They get after you defensively. Jared Roden's right. This team is one of the most talented teams in the country. They are one of the best teams in the country. And the more they play, the more they remind me of, I'm going to say it again, the 1988-89 Final Four team that lost to Michigan in the championship game. They have depth this year that is unprecedented under Willard. How many times over the past decade in Willard's tenure did we look out there and there's one center? Well, I hope Herb Pope doesn't get into foul trouble because we're in trouble, Seton Hall fans would say. Man, Gene Teague better not get into foul trouble because there's nobody behind him to back him up. Well, Ike Biagu was in street clothes for this game. And they rolled out Tyrese Samuel, Alexis Yetna, and Trey Jackson. 6'11", 6'10", 6'10". That is a formidable Big East front court. That is of 1989 caliber. And the depth at point guard, the depth at guard. All right, if Shavar Reynolds got into foul trouble last year, Kevin Willard had to go to Jahari Long, a true freshman who wasn't quite ready athletically or maturity-wise to handle the point in the Big East grind. But he had to put him out there. He had to mature quickly. Now, if Bryce Aiken gets into foul trouble, Kaderi Richmond's there. Jameer Harris can spell him. When Jahari Long gets healthy, Willard has more confidence in them now. They can roll three, four guys out there at point guard. This team can do some special things this year. They are one of the top four teams, top three teams 
Maybe they're the top team in the Big East. Time will tell. But what they've done in the non-conference, even the most optimistic Seton Hall fan did not think that Seton Hall would be 9-1 and one after 10 games. And here they are. They are good. They are clicking. And they are only going to get better. Now for Rutgers. Right now, they're a work in progress. We know that. They're 5-5 five and five, heading into exam week. But this is the time for them to rest up, get better, and get some of these younger guys, the guys that need to mature, the guys that need to contribute, Jaden Jones, Jalen Miller, even Andre Hyatt, Mawap Mag, we're starting to see him develop more. Rutgers needs these players because when Harper and Baker don't have it, they need other guys to step up. Caleb McConnell did his job. 13 points and 12 rebounds. Cliff Amori did his job. 13 points, six rebounds. Very active, very athletic. But someone else needs to start stepping up. How about Paul Mulcahy? There's a guy who I really thought, and Rutgers fans thought, would take that next leap this year. Well, when your point guard does not attempt a single field goal, Zero for zero against Seton Hall. Zero for five from the floor against Purdue. That's a problem. Now you're playing four on five. That doesn't work. He's shooting 28% from the floor. He's really struggling. He's not even looking for a shot. He gave up threes. He drove and it looked like he was going to post up against Aiken. And instead, he would kick it back out. Paul Mulcahy looked like a player who did not want to shoot the ball against Seton Hall. That can't happen. Somehow, some way, he needs to find that confidence and start shooting again. This team needs this break. They're coming off a stretch, which wasn't awful. All right. Two and two against Clemson, Illinois, Purdue, and Seton Hall. I think every Rutgers fan would have signed for that after the stretch that they had when they were looking at three and three. They beat Clemson at home. They shocked Purdue. That alone tells you what Rutgers is capable of doing. They got smacked by Illinois. They got handled pretty easily by Seton Hall. So now where does this team stand after that two and two stretch? They're five and five with a little break to get rested, to get healthy, and to recharge their batteries. Here's Steve Peichel. We got a little break now. We've had the flu this week. Oscar, a lot of guys have been exams and the flu. We got a little time here to, you know, regroup and get better. Um, I like this team a lot. I continue to say that. We were capable of beating, you know, anybody, but you got to play better on the road. You just have to, and you have to play from opening tip, you know, to the final buzzer. So where do they go from here? Well, they have to be more consistent. We know that. They play well in spurts, but not for an entire game. We know their deficiencies, but can they overcome them? They're not a great shooting team. They're the worst scoring team in the Big Ten, averaging 65.8 points per game. And they're second to last 
in field goal percentage, free throw percentage, and three-point field goal percentage. These are not numbers that are going to cut it. In years past, they've been over, they've been able to overcome it with their defense. Their defense is solid, but it's not as good as it was when they had Miles Johnson manning the post. So they're looking at three games before they play Michigan on January 4th. Ryder and Central Connecticut before Christmas and Maine on the 29th. Get to eight and five. And then you start the new year and turn the page. Can they get to the NCAA tournament? They shouldn't even be thinking about the NCAA tournament. All right. Just get wins. Just get better. But if you're looking for a number, if you're eight and five Rutgers fans going into the rest of the season and Big Ten play starting in January, then I would say 12 and eight in the Big Ten. Get to 12 wins, pick up some road wins, get to 20 wins overall, and then see what happens because then you'd be on the bubble. You have some bad losses you have to overcome. You have to find a way to win on the road. You heard Peichel. They're 0-3 on the road. Rutgers can beat anyone in the country at the rack. They have proven that this year. They have proven that year in and year out. Win on the road. You want to be a good team? You want to be a great team? You want to be a team that's considered in March? You need to win away from the rack. Win on the road. That's what's going to get it done. Now, one other team I want to talk about that deserves a ton of praise. Monmouth. These guys talk about road warriors. Rutgers, 0-3 on the road. How about Monmouth? If I asked you what team currently leads the nation with most road wins with six, Monmouth might be the 100th team you'd mention, but there they are. The Hawks have six road wins more than any other team in the NCAA. Wow. They own quality wins over Cincinnati and now Pitt. They knocked off Pitt. Pitt, what happened to Pitt? You want to go for that football money in the ACC? I, I hope it's building some nice buildings for you because it's not winning you any basketball games. The Peterson Event Center, their home court used to be one of the toughest places to play, the loudest places to play in the country. They let Monmouth University come in there and push them around and hold them to 52 points on their home court. Monmouth came out. They jumped out to a 9-2 lead. George Pappas hit two threes. They led by 17. Monmouth. Monmouth led Pitt by 17 points at Pitt at the half. Are you kidding me? Pitt? Monmouth? Yes, Monmouth is for real, folks. And Pitt, they're, they're three and seven. All right, that's not taking anything away from Monmouth. But Pitt isn't what they used to be. But to go on the road, you're a MAC team. 
and to go into an ACC school's home court, that sends messages around the country. The only other time that Monmouth in their program's history has had two wins over high majors was 2015-2016. They beat number 17 Notre Dame. They beat UCLA. They beat USC, Georgetown, and oh yeah, Rutgers. Right now, they own two wins. This team is a veteran team. They have a great backcourt in Pappas and Shavar Reynolds, who, oh, by the way, congratulations to Shavar Reynolds, the MAC Conference Player of the Week. He averaged 19 and a half points against St. John's and against Pitt. This kid is having the best season of his college career. And you know it. He was on the podcast last time. I can't say enough good things about him. He is right now one of the candidates for MAC Conference Player of the Year. He and Pappas, as they go, Monmouth goes. Now, we told you about Rutgers' net. Monmouth's net is 47. 47 in comparison. Michigan is 50. Iona, the MAC preseason number one team, is 51. Kentucky is 53. And there's Monmouth, the school that Kevin Harlan once called Monmouth. Yes, Monmouth. Monmouth University, 47. This team is going to be fun to watch. Circle it right now on your calendars. Sunday, January 9th, 2 p.m. in West Long Branch, Rick Patino and Iona come into town to take on Monmouth. That is a must-watch basketball game for Monmouth fans, for fans of the university and the shore, and around New Jersey. If you like college basketball, that is a game to check out. We are now 10 games into the season. Seton Hall ranked in the top 20. UConn ranked in the top 20. They might be better than Villanova. Monmouth, a net of 47. Can they finally win the MAC conference title for the first time ever? They have those NEC banners. They have four of them. They don't own a MAC championship banner. Maybe this is the year that it comes to West Long Bridge. Thanks for listening to the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast, everybody. Until next time, I'm Brian Dean Ellis. So long.